0: Good morning, Bridge. Today, it is my privilege to be able to walk with you through the final chapters of Daniel, closing up this incredible book. Think back with me on everything we've seen. We've been through 14 weeks of of this whole series. 14 weeks ago, we started off in chapter one in Babylon, the capital of an evil kingdom that had been allowed to crush God's nation, destroy God's temple, and capture God's people. Among those carried off was a young man named Daniel who was violently ripped from his home, never to return, instead living out the rest of his life in the courts of foreign kings and exile. Now in chapter 12, Daniel is an old man, well into the final years of his life, standing on the ashes of empires. Daniel has stood witness to the rise and fall of mighty regimes and through the bloody transitions of two major world powers. And through it all, he has remained steadfastly faithful to the one true God, even in the face of certain death. Daniel has walked in the presence of fearsome beasts, both literally and figuratively, ferocious kings that in many ways act no better than animals. The first half of the book, chapters one through six, took us through these key moments in Daniel's life and ministry. But since chapter seven, in the second half of Daniel, we've kind of switched gears, haven't we? We've seen vision after vision, from from narrative to apocalyptic, moving from bizarre, crazy things to, to another. And so now that we're at the end of the book, what's it all been about? What has been the point of Daniel, of the book of Daniel? And what does it all mean for us today? God's church in the U.S., in Wichita, Today's passage answers these questions. Last week, Pastor Jordan took you through the first four verses of chapter 12. And so we have only verses 5 through 13 to look through today. If you could turn with me there right now in your Bibles. What we're going to find in this passage is a final angelic interaction. But nothing we cover today will be new, it's all review. Many threads from the rest of Daniel are are tied together here in chapter 12, which forms a a kind of uh, epilogue, a a capstone to this monumental book. In the few verses we have today, we'll see two questions and two answers that will guide us as we think on what these visions of the end have to do with now. So please stand with me for the reading of God's word, starting from verse 5. Daniel 12, verse five. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream, on one of that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream,
1: He raised his right
0: hand and his left hand towards heaven and he swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times and half a time and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things will be finished. I heard but I did not understand. Then I said, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1290 days blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1335 days, but go your way till the end and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. This is a recurring dream. Daniel has seen this vision before only rearranged, remixed in a a different order. Here in chapter 12, Daniel is standing on the side of a stream and he's he's surrounded by angels just as he did before in chapter 10 and in chapter 8. And he sees hovering over the waters a man clothed in linen. Is that familiar? It's a lot like the guy we saw in chapter 10, the, the angel who fought against the demon prince of Persia. And in an echo of chapter eight, once again, an angel asks another angel our first question, how long? How long? There in verse six, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? So, bridge, how long? How long is it going to be well, the other angel, the man in linen, makes it easy for us. He responds with a really simple answer, starting in verse 7. And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream. Here is his right hand and his left hand towards heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever, that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And at the end, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. So there's your answer. It's really simple, right? No, not really. <laughs> not at all. I, I have a few questions. First off, what in the world does he mean time, times, and half a time? If I was late to a meeting and I called one of you and I said, uh, uh, wait up, I'll be there in uh, uh, maybe uh, time, times, and half a time? Probably would not appreciate that answer. And rightfully so. It's vague. It's ambiguous. What, what, what even is a, a time? Is that, are we talking minutes, hours, days, millennia? It's not clear. And this isn't the first time we've been given a mysterious unit of time in which an evil enemy will oppress the people of God. Or as we read here, Shatter the power of the holy people. In chapter seven, we see that those beasts, remember those beasts? They will have dominion for a season and a time. And that weird little horn that pokes out of the forest the beast, you remember that? That's gonna wear out the saints for a time, times and a half a time. There it is again. The angel in chapter eight tells us that the end of the desolation will come after 2300 evenings and mornings. Chapter nine, we hear that the end of transgression will come after 70 weeks. And now here in chapter 12, again, time, times, and half a time. And just a little bit down in verse 11, we see that from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. <clears throat> What's going on? Why are all the numbers different? 1290, 1335, 2370 How many days is it going to be? Are these literal days, 24-hour periods? If not, then what in the world are they? How does it all relate to the 70 weeks and the mysterious time, times, and half a time? Well, I have my theories, but that's all they really are, is theories. Because while these numbers do point to a precise date at a specific point in time, friends, that hour is not for us to know just yet. See, the end is gonna come without warning a thief in the night. One day, the mystery of these numbers will be made clear to us, but until then, God has given us everything we need to know now in what is clear. So what is that? What's clear? What are all these strange numbers saying for certain? The answer lies in the true nature of the question, how long? How long? Remember that in chapter 8, the angel asks, how long? And that question is specifically about the trampling of the temple, the, the desecration of the holy place of God. Here in chapter 12, an angel asks, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? W- 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 what do we mean, Wonders. And he's saying wonders, he's talking about the shocking evils committed by the enemies of God. The shocking evils. We've read about some of them in the past and throughout chapter of the books of Daniel, right? They're gonna take God's people. They're gonna do terrible things and, and many will turn from God. They're gonna set up profaning things and speak abominations against God. This will happen. This is for sure going to happen. These are the wonders that the angel is talking about. And they will be committed against us, against God's church. And so here, this question is first and foremost, a question of when there will be an end to persecution, an end to the shattering of the holy people. See in the Bible, that phrase, how long is not just a calendar question. Uh, chronological curiosity. No instead, how long is most often a question of the problem of evil? How long? Listen to Psalm 74 verse nine. We do not see our signs. There's no longer any prophet and there is none among us who knows how long. And then the psalmist asks God, how long, God, is the foe to scoff? How long, O Lord, is the enemy to revile your name forever? Christ himself asked this question in Matthew 17. Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to Bear with you. And in the book of Revelation, when the seals are opened, the martyrs of Christ will cry out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? How long? Well, the answer throughout this passage in Daniel itself is simply this, not much longer, not much longer, evil will come to an end. It's a promise. How long exactly is not for us to know, but know this, although sin will continue and even seem to be growing out of control, God will not let evil continue forever. Christ tells us in Matthew 24 that in the end times, great tribulation will come unlike anything that has ever come before or after. And he says, if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, for you guys, those days will be cut short. This is precisely what God has been saying to us in all these mysterious units of time. That even though the enemy reigns right now, the days of evil will be cut short. A time, times, and then only half a time. Brothers and sisters, right now it feels a lot like evil is winning. Like the darkness is only getting darker and there is no light at all. You may take a look around at our broken, broken world, and it may seem hopeless, like things will never get better. You look at just, I mean, the fact that there's so few people in the pews, the fact that this pandemic has just taken people out, disrupted their lives, even ended some of their lives. The fact that our world is, is divided and broken, that, that people are not talking to each other, not being friends with each other, not loving each other, that they can do terrible things to each other, commit atrocities against other people simply because of the way they look or where they come from. We do not live in a good world. Our world is broken. And indeed, things will surely, surely get worse. Christ tells us this, but look with me again at Daniel 12, verse seven. And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand towards heaven and he swore by him who lives, and get this, forever, by him who lives forever, that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished all these things will be finished. Trials and tribulations will come to an end. It may feel like evil is just gonna go on and on and on and that nothing can stop it. But the one who lives forever, the ancient of days, our eternal God, he looks at the enemy and he laughs. 2300, 70, 1290, 1335, whatever's going on with these, know for sure that Satan's rule is numbered. But the one who lives forever, his rule knows no end. So that's the first question. And the angel has given Daniel his first cryptic answer. But as we'll see, Daniel still got something on his mind. Because sure, God's going to win in the end, but doesn't he always? More importantly, what does that mean for his people, for Israel? After all, Daniel's lived his whole adult life in exile and even though by this point, some of the Jews have gone back, it feels an awful lot like the exile is still continuing. See, Daniel's people, they're lost. Their time in exile, their judgment has not cleansed them of their sin. They have not repented. They have not turned to God. That's why if you think back to chapter nine, chapter nine, in that chapter, Daniel mourns. He puts on sackcloth and ashes. He confesses the sins of his people and he asks God to have mercy on them for his name's sake. Will God show mercy? Will he take back his wayward people? This is Daniel's burning question. And so we asked the angel bluntly, our final question today, what's the outcome? What comes after? What comes after the end? Verse eight, I heard, but I did not understand. And I said, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? Now at first glance, this question seems pretty open-ended. What outcome? That could refer to any number of things. But as we've seen, Daniel has a deep concern for one thing, the fate of his people. And so when Daniel asks, what shall be the outcome? The question is really this, what's the outcome for the people of God? What will happen to God's people, a people who have wandered so far from God? And so the angel answers Daniel according to his heart in verse 9. He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. What will happen to the people of God? Well, it's simple. The angel says, there are the wicked, and then there are the wise. The wicked and the wise. What does that mean? Well, last week we saw that the wise shall Shine like the brightness of the stars forever and ever. And today we're told that the wicked shall act wickedly, as the wicked tend to do, and they will not understand. So this begs the question, who are the wicked? Now my gut instinct in answering that question, who are the wicked, is to think of the enemy, right? Satan, and the beasts, and the wicked kings, the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist. But actually, in the book of Daniel, none of those are ever referred to by the word wicked. Instead, in chapter 9, it is Israel that has acted wickedly and failed to repent even after 70 years in exile. Last week in chapter 11, we saw the people of God divided into two groups. On one side, the people who know their God. And on the other, those who violate the covenant. Or more literally in the Hebrew, those who act wickedly against the covenant. Here then, in chapter 12, the wicked does not refer to those who are outside of the covenant community, but rather to those who are within, but who fail to act like it. In other words, the question for us, the people of God today, for you, Bridge, isn't what will happen to them, the enemies? The question is, are you the wicked or the wise? Are you the wicked or the wise? or the wise, and this is not an easy question. Look at your life, look at your sins, the darkness that you you can't seem to shake, the people you've hurt, the evil that has a hold on you. And ask yourself honestly, are you wicked or wise? How do we even know? Well, the text today gives us a couple of things that characterize the wise. In verse nine, characteristic number one, the wicked are purified, made white, and refined. But how do you go about getting refined? Can you purify yourself? Would would you even know where to start? Characteristic number two, in verse 10, the wise shall understand, but remember that in verse eight, Daniel, the Prophet Daniel says, I heard, but I did not understand. In fact, with every vision in the second half of the book, Daniel has expressed a complete lack of understanding. In chapter seven, Daniel's spirit is anxious, and the vision alarms him. In eight, he is overcome and appalled by the vision, which he does not understand. And though in nine and 10, angels are sent to explain, even here at the end of the book in 12, Daniel still does not understand. If even Daniel does not understand, then who can? Who's wise? I'm definitely not as wise as Daniel. Folks, we got a problem. We cannot purify ourselves. How can we who have unclean hands make our clothes white? What's more, we can't make ourselves understand. How can we who are ignorant give ourselves wisdom? Is there any way to become wise or are we doomed to be wicked? Brothers and sisters, the book of Daniel has good news for you. And it lies all the way back in chapter one where we see that God gave Daniel and his friends learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And then chapter two, Daniel blesses God with his prayer. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. In other words, Yes, the wise are those who have wisdom. That only makes sense. But wisdom comes from God. God alone makes us wise. God alone gives us understanding. Yes, the wise are pure. Their clothes are white. They are refined. But listen to these words that describe those who will suffer for Christ from the book of Revelation. These are the ones coming out of the great Tribulation. They've washed the robes and made them white with the blood of the lamb. With the blood of the lamb. Brothers and sisters, God has provided abundantly in the lamb, the one like a son of man and Jesus Christ in him. We have all we could ever need. By his blood, we have washed our robes. By his sacrifice, we are purified and refined. And although right now, we still struggle with sin, although right now, there is still wickedness among the wise, although right now, trials and tribulations are all around us, and although right now, neither we nor Daniel really understand the visions of this book, the promise here in chapter 12 is not that the wise will be completely refined and understand everything right now, that the wise shall purify themselves and shall understand in the time of the end. This is our great hope. So then how do we answer our question? What's the outcome for the people of God, for us? Today's passage tells us three things. Here are the first two. One, that by the blood of the Lamb, God will purify us. He has promised to refine us, to clothe us in clean robes. That through his son too, God will make us understand. We will receive wisdom in all things. If these things are true, if God is the one who purifies us and brings us out of the wicked and into the wise, if we have this sure hope, then what are we to do? Well, the angel makes it plain in verse 12. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end and you shall rest and you shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Wait and arrive. Go your way till the end. Our job is that simple. Do as Daniel did all through his life. Be faithful in the midst of our exile, among fiery furnaces and lion's dens. Go down the paths we've been shown until we reach the destination. Wait and arrive. If we live like this, like Daniel did, then we will share in his future. Here in the final verse of this book, we see a heavenly commendation of a life well lived, a job well done. At the end of his life, Daniel, God's good and faithful servant receives a great reward, that he will finally rest. This man who has lived his whole life away from his homeland will finally be at peace in his allotted place a land that is his. And brothers and sisters, when it says rest, it does not mean lying still in the ground. No, instead, it says that Daniel will stand in his allotted place. As we saw last week in the beginning of this chapter, The wise will awaken to eternal, everlasting life. Daniel will rise with the saints. He will have new life in the resurrection. This is our great promise, the greatest promise that Daniel could have ever received, and it is the last outcome that our passage highlights for God's people. Three, that if we are in Christ, God will raise us up to eternal life. This is our greatest hope, that one day we will live and reign with our Lord. So what does all of this mean for us today? Well, it's no coincidence that we chose to time this whole series on Daniel around the election. I wrote this sermon on Tuesday, uh, two Tuesdays ago, The day of the election, actually. Just a few hours before the results started to come in. And I actually thought that we'd know on that day who would be the winner. But we didn't. So please know that whatever I'm about to say next, I would be saying the exact same thing today, regardless of whoever would have won. My message is simple. Bridge. Remember how our story ends. Remember how our story ends. For those of you who look around at our post-election world and you're tempted to despair either by who won or by the brokenness of the political process or the division in our nation, know that none of this is happening outside of God's control. If you look around at the world and the impression you get is that wickedness is growing, that the power of the holy people is being shattered, that should not surprise you. Christ tells us that these things will increase all the way to the very end. Don't be shocked by what you see. Don't despair at the results of one election. Save your grief. Things will get worse but this is not how the story ends. In the end, God wins. The light will overwhelm the darkness. And if you are in Christ, if you have been washed by the blood of the lamb, then you will rest and stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Place all of your hope in that. For those of you who look around at the world after the election and you feel relieved and secure, Know as well that this is not the end of the story. Your candidate, your party are not the savior. They cannot turn the tide of history and prevent the coming tribulation. Things will get worse. But although some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Do not place your hope in man. I'm addressing both sides right now, but know that I have no interest in being bipartisan because I know where my loyalties lie, where my hope is, and it is not in any human government. My hope is in the everlasting kingdom of the Son of Man. Now hear me right. The book of Daniel is about a politician, a senior advisor in the Nebuchadnezzar administration, So vote, yes. Be engaged, yes. Have opinions, yes. Be politically involved even, yes. But friends, if your whole world rises or falls with the results of one election, then you need to reassess your worldview. People of God, remember how the story ends. Take care that you are among the wise. Seek the Lord's wisdom. This call is even stronger today for us than it was in the time of Daniel. Because for Daniel, the time of the end was still very far off. For Daniel, the angel tells him that the words are shut up and sealed until an unforeseen time. But we today know more than even Daniel. We've been shown in even greater detail how the story ends. In the book of Revelation, in the final days, the lamb, the lion of Judah, Jesus Christ, will open the seals. And an angel like the one we saw today will raise his right hand to heaven and swear by him who lives forever that there will be no more delay. On the last page, we are told not to seal up the words of this prophecy, for the time is near. Bridge, we know how the story ends. And it ends with Christ returning to set all things right. And we know that surely he is coming soon. So until then, blessed is he who waits and arrives. Let's pray. Dear Lord, sometimes the world looks dark. Sometimes it seems like sickness or division, or oppression. God, that all these things are just gonna win. That's what we're told, right, God? That the world is winning, that there is no hope. But we know better. Lord, we know better. We know that you will win. Lord, you've given us the book of Daniel to teach us that in the end, you will sit on your throne You will win. You will set all things right. Lord, we look so much to that day. We look forward to it desperately. Lord, teach us. Teach us how to wait and arrive. How to come to the final days. Give us the endurance. God, give us the wisdom necessary to live in such dark times. Lord, help all those who are despairing right now. those who are stuck at home and and feel no light. God, I pray that you would be with them, encourage them, comfort them, God. Give them the hope of a future. God, the hope of your future. Lord, we we place all our hope in Christ. Lord, we place all our hope that someday we will rise from the grave and dwell with him God, take our mind off of all of of the things that we see on the news, the things that we see around us, God, and fix our eyes on you. Help us to see the truths that you've taught us in Daniel. Let's not forget them. Lord, we, we need you. We need to lean on you. Teach us how to do that. And until then, Lord, teach us how to wait and to arrive. God, we need you. Lord, we pray that you would hasten the day and we anticipate your return. We anticipate the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But until then, we pray every single day in his name, calling on his name, on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.